0: You're
1: listening
2: to... Whoa! hot luck. You're listening to The Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective.
1: Hey, hey, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, we ain't playing no games with this one. Oh, hey.
2: And hey everyone, it's Friday, April the 19th, 2019. My name is Marvin Yue, and you're listening to The Collabcast, the official podcast of the collaboration movement. And on this episode, we'll be bringing you a conversation I had with costume designer Vera Chow, who was in town from New York a couple weeks ago. Vera is a seasoned costume designer in the entertainment industry, having worked on projects such as Big Fan, Netflix's Marco Polo, Uh, NBC's The Blacklist, Hulu's Deadbeat, and the upcoming Chinese sci-fi action film Shanghai Fortress. We had a lot of fun chatting about Vera's upbringing as a third culture kid, how she got started with costume designing, and the need for better representation in below-the-line roles um, on TV and movies. So with that, uh, please enjoy my conversation with Vera Chow. And hey, everybody, you're listening to the collab cast. I am here with Vera Chow, who is a costume designer here all the way from New York. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Hello. How's your, um, you came to LA at the best time because Mm -hmm. it's actually spring now. Whereas, isn't
0: it always like this? No,
2: last, the last (laughs) few months has been like, you know, not East Coast code, but it's been pretty cold by our standards, like cold and rainy. We're, um, Mm. officially, I think, out of drought, which means we had a Ton of rain this past season.
0: I think you guys. Are sure. No, I got here. I was like, this weather is so nice, and everyone's like, this is this is not <laughs> great. This is not great. I'm so cold.
2: Uh, no, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine because the sun is out. Like, I think here's what people will tell you: people who move here from other places, yeah. it takes a month for you to um, lose all your weather tolerance. So we were just talking about how maybe you might be coming here more often, mm-hmm. and just be prepared. Um, after living here for like half a year when you mm-hmm. go back to new york you'll start complaining too mm-hmm. you'll be i believe it
0: i'm actually almost there so i believe <laughs> i believe it but i do like it here a lot
2: yep starting with weather talk mm-hmm. like like all good los angeles people i know
0: or a cab like we're in a taxi how
2: have you been getting around have you uh, the rent- right i chair? rented
0: a car and oh, wow. drove like a terrible asian female driver nothing's happened yet but you know
2: that's good how is um you don't drive much in new
1: york right
0: nobody does (laughs) i i grew up in um hong kong london and then moved to new york so there's three towns where nobody (laughs) nobody drives
2: also two of those places you drive on the other side of the street
0: yes (laughs) yes that's a, a big adjustment so yeah I pretty much learned how to drive to get into business when I was a PA, like a costume PA. Okay. Because you do returns and stuff like that. Right. You know, that's how I, that's actually why I got my driver's license to PA and I totally crashed a car once. But.
2: Oh no. I've been in a couple car crashes too it's not cool.
0: And then they never hired me as a costume PA again. Mm.
2: Well now you're now you're up the food chain. So <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Vera has worked on such shows like Hulu's Deadbeat, mm-hmm. um, Netflix's Marco Polo. I'm, lo- I'm looking through your portfolio right
0: now. Oh boy. On my IMDb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Cars that Made America by from the History Channel. Um, you recently worked on A Love Tale um, on is that Stars or
0: no. Uh, I actually don't know where it's gonna go, but it's a really great series about LGBT women of color. Yeah, Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. Oh, and there's the Blacklist,
2: right? The that Blacklist. Was- <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of cool, a lot of cool period pieces, which I imagine is super fun as a costume designer.
0: Usually, my the period pieces I've done have a lot less money. <laughs> <laughs> But those are the fun ones. Those are definitely the fun ones. You get to be way more creative. I think period pieces that have a ton of money just means you get that all custom made versus yeah. just scouring the internet and factories and see what you can make out of it. <laughs> but yeah.
2: What's your favorite uh, time period to work on?
0: <gasps> depends on the, depends on the country, I guess. Cause. I think in the past, every costume designer's dream is to talk about they want period pieces like Victorian or, or, you know, something like that. Right. With the, but, with the
2: big floofy dresses. Yeah.
0: And-, <laughs> and then I remember like when four years ago Marco Polo landed mm. on my lap, I was like, why didn't I think of doing this for for my <laughs> own people? Just for I mean, granted, the show is for Mongolians, but I a, mean, Asians are the Mongol is, Empire
2: spanned like most of Asia and I some know. of Europe, so
0: we are all you, part of Kublai. You had we a lot to work like with. Like
2: yeah, but I think yeah. was it like most most Han Chinese have at least like a couple percent Mongolian them probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was the costume supervisor for that show, and it was it it became a genre I didn't think about like. You know what? This can segue into something way more serious. It's like, as an Asian person, costume designing. What is it like? I didn't even think that that could be a genre I should be interested in. Yeah. I immediately went to like I want period pieces, like, like all uh, like the Tudors or whatever. Like it didn't even cross my mind that that could be a genre I'm interested in because there's so little.
2: Yeah, I mean, when when the show came out, it was called Marco Polo. So automatically, I think half of the Asian American like audience tuned out because oh, it's about a white dude in Asia. Mm-hmm. But then you know when people watch this, said, wait, this is more about. Kublai like Khan and his empire than Marco Polo.
0: Then why is it
2: called Marco Polo? Right, mm-hmm. you know we could we could ask Netflix mm-hmm. whoever whoever produced mm-hmm. that that question because they should have called a Kublai like Khan or something. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can tell this story and use contemporary English and this is like another tactic they um, they employed uh, in the upcoming. A Cinemax show, um, Warrior, mm-hmm. where just because we speak another language doesn't mean we have. That's like there, there, are, there are cinema tricks that we've employed in the past mm-hmm. to go around that. Like um, I remember the Hunt for Robert October, where Sean Connery was supposedly speaking Russian the entire time, mm-hmm. but in his like native accent, you know. Right,
0: right. I mean, <laughs> on on Marco Polo, we had. I mean, I haven't seen uh, Wu Assassins or The <laughs> Warrior. Uh, I have a lot of friends on it. I am wondering what kind of accent they're using. Because <laughs> on Marco Polo, we had Australian accents, British accents, American <laughs> accents, Mongolian accents, Chinese accents, and they're all just sitting in the same room speaking English. Yeah. Which is – it's interesting. I don't yeah. think anybody's offended by it. It's just –
2: I mean, yeah, I, I think at some point you just accept it, you mm-hmm. know? That is an interesting question because I feel like half of Marco Polo's cast is in Warrior or Wu Assassins. Yes. So <laughs> we'll see how that...
0: I would love to see Olivia's accent. Did it change? Is it still Canadian? I don't mm. know. I would love to can't wait to see it.
2: What is a Canadian accent? A... <laughs> there is something there. there is a I think it's in the it's in the O sounds because I, I have family in Canada I was born in Canada too but I moved mm-hmm. to I, I, I've said this before I moved to the States when I was one so culturally mm. I'm not very Canadian but I try to you know I try to wrap it as much as I can because you know growing up being I grew up in San Gabriel, right? The mm-hmm. San Gabriel Valley. So being Asian wasn't it didn't really like it's not really an identity, it's more mm-hmm. like just like a way of life. So mm-hmm. being from Canada was my identity for a while.
0: Well, yeah. I can see that. I mean yeah. my dad's side's all Canadian. Mm-hmm. I have family in Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton. I don't know. They just spread all over. Wow, all yeah. over. But they're originally from Guangzhou and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. They yeah. just have a Chinese accent in their English, but then an A in the end, <laughs> it's it's a little confusing at times. It's
2: interesting all the different, like, people don't realize how many different Chinese accents there are, too, mm-hmm. depending on where you're from. If, oh, like, yeah. the Mandarin English accent, the Cantonese English accent, like, mm-hmm. I think, stereotypically most people think of the Cantonese accent, right, because they were the, probably the first immigrants here mm-hmm. sending up all the Chinatowns and everything. But, it's always interesting um, confronting people's I sometimes when right. they when they're surprised that my dad can speak English and understand right. English and I'm like, "Well, they all learned in school and my dad's been here for like 30 years, you There know?
0: there's a confusion between <laughs> fluency and accent, I think. Yeah. It's it crosses the board in all foreign languages because I've worked in also Latin America mm-hmm. and I've I've seen people, you know, no names name, but you know, in the US <laughs> and the UK, and they have an excellent crew that are local, like Dominican or, or Mexican or something, but their English is not great. And I see that they're, they're, un- they're not conscious they're doing it, but they lose their patience with them. And I think they subconsciously believe that these people are not as good
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they're confusing fluency, accent, and competence. And these three things are completely unrelated. But they're like, oh, I can't get through to them. We've got to, like, they've, like, they're just the film industry here. The crew is not. I'm like, they just don't know what the hell you're saying.
2: Yeah, yeah everyone – something that you learn as you go through life is everyone's kind of you know, self-centered in some way, mm-hmm. right? And part of being a global citizen is kind of unlearning all the, all those biases, biases right? Because – I'm, let me tell you, like, when I go to, like, when I go to Japan, I feel like an idiot because I can't, I can't, I'm like pointing at things. I'm I'm pointing at a cheeseburger at McDonald's. I want this.
0: Cheeseburger. (laughs) Cheeseburger. Yeah. No, but like, that's even weirder when you go to an Asian country because you're like, I'm, even though I'm Chinese, when you're a tourist in an Asian country, you almost, almost feels like, I don't know if other people feel this, that you might be slightly more like, should I know more of this because I'm not a white guy in Japan? Should I at least somehow know more Japanese? Because these Japanese people look at me and they're like, they will still try yeah. their native tongue first. And you're like, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> I do not speak any of this. I was just in Korea and the same thing happened. Um they just looked at me and went straight to Korean. And I'm like, hello, American. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot. Yeah,
2: it's maybe part of it is the way that we're brought up here in the states where Asian Americans are all like mushed together mm-hmm. into one thing. Many of us who work in the space have friends who are Korean, Japanese, Vietnamese, Hmong, and we're so used to like representing everyone mm-hmm. that we can, we 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 feel bad even though we're not like there's no reason to there's no reason right to. Yes. Like, we're we're a tourist just like anyone else. Um, I think that a big thing now is to like you know how. For a long time, Americans were like the worst tourists in the world. Are they still not? Well, I think the torch has been passed to like mainland Chinese tourists.
0: Oh, like. they're, yeah, a lot of people are calling them out <laughs> all over the world for it. But like, you think about how if a, if a New Yorker travel overseas and they see like some really ignorant, I don't know, Midwesterner or whatever doing something really stupid, I don't think they feel that same sense of obligation that, man, Look at how we look. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we yeah. tend to be like, "Oh, we're all Asians." Like, why? Why? Oh man, that looks so bad for all of us. But I don't really think. I mean, they're
2: I probably just wrong. judging them. Like, oh, they're they're probably from the Midwest yeah. or something. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a different culture. Yeah. I mean, I feel like New Yorkers come here and and judge us here in L.A. Like, Do we? Oh, New I mean, out. everyone's judgy. I feel like the secret is out. We're all how we're we
0: feel out. about you guys. Oh, we feel the same about you
2: guys. <laughs> you know. Uh, always on the go, always yelling at people.
0: Terrible drivers, so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like I went out with a bunch of my industry friends yesterday, mostly, you know, 90% of us are Asian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I actually really feel like the, the industry community is pretty tight here. Like I was saying to you earlier, it was immediately noticeable that a couple of us are not from here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: People are like, I've never seen you before here. Like, like <laughs> oh, mm. that's kind of cool. It's a community that is, a conversation I had with a lot of people around me in the past week since I got here is the community you guys have here is so new and so much smaller in New York.
2: I think, so I've been working in and around the community for Mm -hmm. the last like eight years and it has changed. I I tell this to people a lot, like especially new people coming in, is Mm -hmm. like we weren't this cohesive, maybe even like, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. It's it's a recent thing. And I think a lot of it is people from our generation coming of age and deciding that we were tired of fighting each other over Mm -hmm. things, you know, Mm -hmm. and that we don't have to. Right. Right. Because there's this mentality, even like 10 years ago, where there's only so much work out there. There's only so many. It's the talk jobs, of fighting right? for the
0: same seat. Yeah. Fighting for one seat. How can you be allies if every there's a one seat.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. Where now we're of the mindset of like, well, we can make more seats. Or mm-hmm. even there's there was always more seats. Right. We and, just didn't know about them.
0: And yeah. I recently like I've I've been having a lot of these conversations with like mentors and, you know, either minority or female or female minority um like big players in the industry lately. I've met up with a lot of them too. It very quickly organically went away from just, I want a job from these people. They're so powerful to just similar topics because we really want to talk about this. Yeah. And uh, I remember saying, even if I don't get these, like I, I know my position is definitely not as difficult as that of perhaps an actor, you know, and I, I do understand that. Um, But we do have... To that extent, still a similar issue. Like all these Asian themed shows that, I'm gonna say it out loud now, Mm -hmm. they hire a majority of a Caucasian crew. Mm -hmm. The, because we're not as visible below the line, the the effort is not as public. Like if the directors are not Asian, if the actors are not Asian, oh my God, how dare you? But for below the line, the tide is changing but way more behind. And I remember thinking, I'm so mad that I wasn't even considered for these Asian-themed shows to be the designer. There's so few Asian designers out there. Can I at least get a meeting, a talk? And now I think I've changed it a little bit where I'm like, I'm not mad that I'm not the one getting it. I don't have to be the one to get it, but can it be? Yeah, Can it just be someone I don't know, Chinese, Thai, Filipino, I don't care. Can <laughs> it just be at least somehow mildly represented? It's not about me.
2: Yeah, cuz you know, you look at a film like say Wonder Woman and you see how it's it was a great superhero film, but the fact that it was Directed by a, a woman,
1: mm-hmm. like
2: you can see that on screen. Like yes. films like Get On Us, like the fact that it was directed by a black man, mm-hmm. you can see that point of view. It's, it's another one of those things where you don't know what you're missing until you see it. Yes. And so now I, I get the same way when I see, like, oh, it's a story starring Asians, mm-hmm. I look at the crew who's producing it, who's, you know, who's mm-hmm. writing it, who's mm-hmm. directing it. And when I don't see like an Asian name, I'm, I am a you little disappointed, you know? because see, very I'm like. Few then it becomes i hope they talk to someone or i hope they like make the right decisions mm-hmm. right cuz there's that inherent distrust that they'll be able to tell their story well right. if there's no one bit. in the room
0: and like i say this with the most respect for the designers and their crew that did end up on this job like they i they're they're all unquestionably very very talented designers extremely successful designers and i'm not just talking about designers it could be composers <laughs> it could be the writer it doesn't matter it's they are all very talented. I don't doubt it. Even though they are not Asian, mm-hmm. it's just that little bit that you just still wish.
2: Yeah, especially you know, a, a lot of times you hear the excuse from the industry that we just couldn't find anybody.
0: I heard that from a lot of people. Right. We didn't know they were there. There isn't any. It was like, yeah, we're
2: we've here. We're been here. here. We're and, here. Like I know Asian American. Location scouts, scatters. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. people. And granted, there is a pipeline issue, right? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that this is a career path that they can mm-hmm. take. That it's a one that can pay pretty well if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you do it regularly. Like, there, everyone has a union and they right. make sure that they get paid well, right? right? And um, I mean, part of that comes through representation,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: Like not seeing, like even in media now, like we're seeing a lot more. Writers and directors mm-hmm. like wanting to be writers and directors because they see writers and directors and actors mm-hmm. on screen on, above yes. the line, right? And 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 this is more of a rhetorical question, but how do we get more people to, interested in you know below the line work? I, I know they're out there, but like you said, there's there are people doing it, but not mm-hmm. enough to, to like be a presence, right? right?
0: I mean i'm pretty loud i'm loud to, i'm loud <laughs> enough to fill a couple <laughs> couple voids um yeah. but like you're saying this community is so so new it happened to you just a couple of years ago for it to get a little you know to get bigger mm-hmm. it was the same for me um my current asian american and i extend this to asian canadians asian british like west immigrant westernized asian be a generation one two three four five i don't care right <laughs> um our inherent culture is so different from our motherland motherland mm-hmm. i guess um and we never i've been i've been doing this since 2005 i had never had more than one or two if if not zero asians around me and i didn't even know they existed and like you're saying like this happened to me so recently it's almost like we're all like what are those movies where like the sun is starting to rise <laughs> and people come out of their house like really slowly and look yeah. up and be like, oh? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we all are having this strange awakening around the same time. Mm-hmm. It's in this past recent years. We are a little less vocal than some other uh, minority communities, so maybe we're a little bit behind. But yeah, and. <laughs>
2: I don't even think it's that because I know plenty of Asian immigrants that are like, that are loud and proud, you know? Yes. Um, I think a lot of it is if you look at who we are the children of, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of times we're not the children of artists. Right. You know, like the immigrants here were either the children of like engineers and doctors Mm -hmm. or we're the children of working class families, right? Um, the children of actors are all still overseas probably, like Mm. where people that look like us are on TV all the time.
0: Right. Right.
2: I think some of us some of us do have, you know, parents who have backgrounds in in radio or acting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say none of us do, but I think the vast majority of just like in terms of just immigration the typical immigrant story. Yeah. Like we
0: all had a journey of breaking out against our parents best wishes to choose yeah. this. <laughs> but even that,
2: like, you know, if you think about it, you know, our parents, our parents want the best for us, right? They they, they want to make sure that we're we're fine, that we, that we can survive, right? Mm-hmm. That they can provide for us. And, you know, I think a lot of parents, I believe now, now that, you know, I, I have no parents and I have, now that I understand my parents a little better, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that they don't think you can succeed. A lot of times they don't, they don't think the world will let you succeed. Right. Right. Because yes. you look at TV There's no one that looks you up there. There's no directors, no writers. No one doing Mm -hmm. what you want to do looks like you is successful right now.
0: You read that quote Gemma Chan said about what her dad said to her. I did. Right? Uh, It it was something about how, and we all have fantastic parents that mean the, you know, mean Mm -hmm. well. He said something pretty much like that to her. I I read that on like HuffPost (laughs) Asian Voices or something like that about how, like, but, how often do you see people that look like you on t v on like a british or american t v channel like you're not gonna make it. He really doesn't mean anything bad by it, mm-hmm. but I think that probably what is what gave her this five let me let me show you <laughs> yeah, and look at what she's achieved
2: yeah i mean, I think that's that's a story that's unique to like the aspirations
0: mm-hmm.
2: having immigrant parents who are in more survival mindset mm-hmm. and having like these dreams to like mm-hmm. be creative because of the world we live right. in, right? And
0: they're not wrong, you know. Yeah. They're not wrong. <laughs> I think if I have children, I would probably still hope for a safer path.
2: But if they want to become like a costume designer. You say, okay, let me let me show you how it's done. Let
0: me tell you, you the know? pitfalls, but I'm not gonna step. <laughs> like, if you want to be in showbiz, art, entertainment, let me first preface how difficult it will be. But I but you know there's a path. Yet. There right? is a path. It yeah. is a possibility. I would never stop them from yeah. doing that.
2: So let's talk more about how you got started then.
0: Ooh, yeah, because uh, it, went, it went really far. It went deep <laughs> and expansive. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I read on your bio that you, you started very young, your experience
0: with picking out <laughs> outfits for art. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started out really young. I, was, um, I grew up mostly in Hong Kong before the handover, um, mm-hmm. as many Hong Kong people did, left around that time. Yeah. So are, uh, you, are you still a British citizen? <clears throat> um i think the bno the <laughs> yeah. bno or, or british i don't even know i never used that citizenship uh, but i was born here i was okay. born in texas okay weird i have actually no ties to texas i have no idea <laughs> When people go have you been i'm like no oh wait i Oh right, when i was like zero years old <laughs> um it was
2: my uh, texas was my port of entry into the states. That was
0: where I was born. So that is my port of entry. Yes. My parents (laughs) went to college there and then I was born there and then I went back to Hong Kong and grew up there. Um, yeah, my, my dad had this like company event. He pimped me out. Now that I think about it, (laughs) like they had this company event and the kids get to like dress up, like, you know like, act on stage or whatever. And my dad used to work for the Hong Kong Jockey Club. And uh he thought it was very, very witty. I think a lot of the other kids are doing either, like, princesses or, or like, superheroes or whatever. And uh, my dad was like, it's the Hong Kong Jockey Club. Pretend like you're, like, a, a cute little, like, jockey thing. And I don't know. <laughs> I think my grandma made the outfit. Man, I'm <laughs> sure there are videos of this somewhere of me pretending to race a horse (laughs) or something and um i don't know if that was like the beginning but then after that i've always been into drawing arts like um painting and all that because no one ever tells you a costume designer is a job yeah like not even like until recently most people i remember thinking i was like is fashion designer a job is is drawing not landscape but just humans and clothing a job is movie directing a job? And I was like, these are all jobs. Oh, well, that must mean I want to be a movie director and a fashion designer. <laughs> because in your mind, costume designer is not a job. When I realized I don't want to direct, I'm probably going to be the world's shittiest director. And I cannot stand the standards of fashion. Like what people, and it took me, it was Cirque du Soleil when Cirque du Soleil went to Hong Kong for the first time. Other two things. Um, I saw Cirque de Soleil live and I was like, these are not fashion. What is, what is this? Like, what is this <laughs> thing that these people are wearing these weird things and, and pe- like, you know, there's not fashion. It's not like someone's needs to be, someone needs to be doing this. And then I saw the fifth element. I uh. think, I think I saw the fifth element and, um, people had, it's different now. People know costume designers, people, especially with Ruth Carter being such a pioneer for a uh, Black Panther. But before that, you people follow fashion designers. And Jean-Paul Gaultier did The Fifth Element. I think it's one of the bigger high fashion designer collaborations. Yeah. And I remember thinking there was no mention of the actual costume designer. Because when you collaborate with a fashion designer, the job scope is so different right. that you actually still need another real costume designer to do it together. And um, God bless that man. He took all the credit but mm. it's okay. It's, or else I wouldn't even know costume designer is a job because I was following <laughs> Jean-Paul Gaultier. It was these two things that made me realize that is a job. And, um, this is a long story. Damn. I mean,
2: yeah. I, I remember now thinking back <clears throat> because I, I have to admit, I I don't notice costumes as much when mm-hmm. I'm watching. Um, except when they like, they don't make sense, which I guess it's right, like,
0: when they're bad, yeah. like,
2: <laughs> which I guess is like the costume designer's that job to essence. make sure that it like fits the story mm-hmm. right but you're supposed
0: to not notice it
2: yeah but you know with something like fifth element where it's like sci-fi like mm-hmm. all those like there was there was a lot of very like audacious designs in that film
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. i and i have to admit it has to be something that like you said audacious for me to realize <laughs> it is a job but you know that's not the majority of movies that's out there right um and in conjunction with that, I was uh, really, really, really bullied as a child. Oh, no. Really bullied. <laughs> Stop story. <laughs> but um, anyway, so my refuge was every day I go home from school and I would just hide in my little Hong Kong apartment hidey hole in my bedroom and just draw. <laughs> I was drawing and I was drawing imaginary people. <clears throat> like people that don't, you know, like I was reading comic books and all that, like a lot of manga because mm-hmm. Asian. Yeah, um, of course. But I was fabricating because I wasn't just drawing these people from the comic books and cartoons. I was fabricating imaginary people that I wish I could become mm. as I like can escape, like temporarily. I drew I drew costumes that belongs to a contortionist in a circus because that was when uh, I was in town. I was like, what would it be like to just leave with them? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I would join draw. the circus. Yeah, just I, actually that was a dream of mine truly <laughs> just to join the circus and get the hell out. Um, yeah. And it was through that, you know, you draw these characters. How can you, how do they come to life as you start? is what they're wearing that informs you what they are. So I drew, I drew books and books and books and books of these like fabricated human beings that all strangely look a little bit like myself now mm-hmm. in retrospect. And I see, I see, I see it now. I see that I can, I can shrink myself now. Um, but that's what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I was imagining different versions of myself that could get out. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah. And then I, I won a couple of drama costume design awards. I start designing for the local theater shows. Is this and, still in Hong Kong? Yeah. This is all still Hong Kong. The whole time I was like, get me out, mom. I will get, get out. Like, <laughs> And she's like, not until you finish your HKCEs, like the GCSEs, like right. the really hardcore exams that, no offense, makes the SATs look like cakewalk. Are those uh, the high school entrance or the college, college. entrance? Oh, college, college, okay. yeah. um, Yeah, they're yeah. so hardcore. The Asian education
2: system, we can do, like, someone should do, like, a deep dive on that. Oh, my Like, gosh. all the cram schools. I remember I was in Taiwan, like, having dinner, and then I see all these kids coming out of the building, I'm like, are they tutoring. getting out of tutoring, tutoring boot now at 9 p.m.? Yes. And they all come out and head straight to like the night markets to eat, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I had those. <laughs> and I remember we had to prep for the HKCEs, which are the GCSEs and A levels and O levels simultaneously as we were doing the SATs because the goal is to go to England or America or right. Canada. These three countries are like the end game, but they're all around the same year, around senior year of high school. Yeah. So we were actually doing all of these exams at the same time and we ace, them because good Asians, <laughs> yeah. we all ace every single one of them. That's crazy we pressure. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy pressure. And, um, I did the normal thing of going to a normal university, mm. even though I did theater and, Communication and all that. That's still a university. <laughs> yeah. Before I went to Parsons,
2: mm. I went
0: to New York City. I went to Parsons. There's no costume design degree, but I did a fashion design degree, and uh, sp- I've been there since. Yeah. Interned. Went from interning to assisting and paing to yeah designing indies. I got a really big break. My first tiny, 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 tiny indie went into Sundance, and. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've that been, was the, the big fan, right? The big fan. Yeah. yeah. With Pat and uh, Oswald.
0: Yeah. It was it was so low budget, but it was <laughs> literally my first break. Man, I'm telling you my whole life story, too. Uh, <laughs> no. It's, yeah.
2: I think your story is fascinating. Um, <laughs> because, like, first of all, you're, I think, in terms of like a third culture kid, right? Where mm-hmm. you're raised in like an American system, but.
0: But overseas, I wasn't actually here. Right, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. I'm not even first generation. I'm like, I call myself like generation zero. My whole family is still in Hong
2: yeah. Kong. Yeah. I mean, you're a global citizen.
0: Yes. Thank yeah. you. I am a global citizen. <laughs> um, but I never felt at home there. I've always wanted to leave. Granted, Hong Kong is already a pretty westernized place. I was never, I never felt at home. And I always wanted to go Ideally, the U.S., because I know that's where art and film and all that is. Thought about London, but I think because Hong Kong was so British, I just wanted something really, really, really different. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, um, I had this really lucky break. Um, uh, Amy Westcott, this costume designer who was doing entourage and mm-hmm. she did, um, Black Swan and a couple of Darren Aronofsky films. I cold called her. that was when it's easier to find us because there's no social media and like crazy trolls um and she's like i don't know anything about you i just talked to you on the phone you seem so eager and so earnest and man like i guess not many newcomers are so aggressive and cold calling every damn designer in the business (laughs) talk to me please tell me everything like i was so like like. yeah
2: i mean that's i feel like that Especially if you're not used to getting calls like that, it's refreshing. Yeah.
0: And I think this is, this might be a partially a type A Asian trait (laughs) that we were so aggressive in, in just whatever career path we set our mind to.
2: I mean, I would say it's more of a type A Vera trait.
0: That's a, may, <laughs> yeah. Maybe.
2: Because I, I know plenty of agents who are like, oh, you know, I don't want to bother them. Maybe I'll well, run oh, into I them went, at an event. I went
0: at it. Oh, I went <laughs> at it. I, I mean, I did speak to and called so many. And Amy was kind enough to get back to me. And she's like, well, my friend is doing this Pan Oswald movie in New York. There's no money involved. I don't know you, but I literally just got off, off the phone with you. You're the first name I thought of try it she doesn't know me to this day we have never met i've sent her plenty of thank you cards to her agency um because i owe her so much yeah um yeah so uh i think it won like grand jury or something inside sundance at that time and then since then i got into the business they were they stayed very small for a while but then yeah but then
2: i'm in yeah so (laughs) (laughs) um i guess we probably should have Went over this first, but what exactly does a costume designer do?
0: Oh yeah, oh my, oh god, yes. Um,
2: because yeah, when I, when, okay, I'm taking the 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 place of a layman,
1: mm.
2: and when I think a costume designer, I'm like, oh, so you just pick out clothes? Like, do you draw? Do you like dress them? How how involved are you actually in in the creation of it? Ooh. And then like the 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 person who knows I mean knows like it's a lot of freaking work, mm-hmm. you know.
0: It differs from every job. Um the common confusion is that we have a lot of overlaps with fashion designers. Mm. We do not. Um I mean, granted, if you do like a fashion film like I've worked with Pat Field before, then there are more overlaps there, but hyper fashion movies are not a common thing. Yeah. Not um, everything can be ocean 8. Exactly. Um <laughs> but and that's actually not like making them beautiful is not really the concern here. Mm. Is to tell the story and I would say a costume designer's job have more similarities to like a set designer or a production designer than an actual fashion designer. Because everything starts with the script. Mm-hmm. It starts with the story. It starts with the character. It does not start with the aesthetic of the clothing. It, the clothing is the product, not the beginning. If that makes sense. Wow. I just came up with that. Right. Oh, how <laughs> profound. Um, you read the script, you do your research and, um, there's a lot of shopping. If it's modern film, you shop, you thrift. And then if it's um period or sci-fi, my recent two films, which are – I'll probably give it some shameless plug later um, – oh, yeah. are two very big Chinese films, like co-production. They are action and sci-fi. Like, mm-hmm. That's where you can sketch, you can draw, you can – Talk to factories and way more fun, way more fun. Not to say the other ones are not fun, but it definitely I mean, you're comes like, from. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, go.
2: No, I mean, you're creating your vision of, like, what people would wear if they're in space or they're, you know.
0: If aliens were invading the earth, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. happened. But um, Yeah, it comes from the script and um, it's. We put the office together, we have fittings, the majority of our time is really a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings and and artistic collaboration. Um It's a lot more logistical than people think.
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: breaking down the script and story days, distressing, aging, and oh, is the what colors is set now? Oh, they're sadder. Or they have some sort of breakthrough in their mental state. Right. You talk to the set designer, you talk to makeup, you talk to the actor. That's an important thing that doesn't exist in fashion design is your rapport with the talent. Um, not every costume designer enjoys completely yielding to the talent's opinion. Nobody does. I don't either. <laughs> but, um, but I always talk to them before I even start prepping them. Because ultimately it is our job to make them forget who they are in real life and become the character. Mm. We do have a lot of responsibility to their, to their ups and downs and emotions and emotional state, getting into the character and uh, a lot of insecurities. Uh, And like, and I'm not saying actors have more insecurities than other artists. If you're an artist, you always have insecurities and you need other artists to help you with it. So if they're not, Completely transparent or comfortable with the costume designer's vision of who they should be become, movies fucked. <laughs> <laughs> movies fucked. Yeah. Um, we don't always get to have that level of collaboration. Unfortunately, there's like you know studios and production, you know yeah. directors and and stars. Yes, and stars. And sometimes <laughs> they really don't talk much. Reason, but that's the goal. Mm-hmm. That is the goal. Yeah, um, that's what we do.
2: So a, a a typical day for you is just a lot of meetings to find out what you need to buy mm. slash prepare?
1: Or-
0: depends on the process. Like, depends on the stage. Like, usually we start prepping a job. We spend a lot of time on the script. Mm. We make so many notes, you know, just, uh, oh, wow, this is falling out into a ditch. Oh, must have three sets. Oh my God. Must talk to stuns. Oh God. When they fall, is that props or is that us? Is the mud Brown or black, so I must not give them any brown or black clothes. But what's their skin tone? Does it work? Like you Mm. prep, prep up. There's a lot of thinking, a lot of talking, a lot of budgeting, which us artists are terrible at. So my (laughs) budget's always off. Um but then you eventually go into the buying, the shopping, the sketching, and then comes the fittings. (sighs) That's like that's like the moment of truth. Everything could be wrong or it could be Mm. great. And we always have so many options. And then once the fittings, and then fittings will always continue as you start shooting. You know, the the one biggest sleepless night would usually be the the day before, the the night before principal photography starts, mm-hmm. or the night before your biggest celebrity fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember uh, two years ago I did this really big sci fi in China called Shanghai Fortress. It's coming out in summer, everybody in <laughs> Asia, and um we had these fittings with uh, Shu Qi. And, mm, wow. and, and, yeah. Luhan, uh, Luhan from China. He was from the EXO boy. But I don't know. I don't follow <laughs> K-pop. Um, what what a, a, one of those boys. Yeah, one yeah. of those boys. What a big deal. You know, like, I am confident in my work. I, uh, through dealing with, like, production and art and product, like, you know, the producers, we have arrived to these prototypes. We have these costumes ready, but it could easily just go to, the second they go, I don't, I don't feel comfortable in this, you know, mm. everything to first, especially in Asia to stars that big. Yeah. Thank God they were happy with it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, oh my God. It could have gone really bad.
2: I mean, that's props to you, right? No. For, you know, <laughs>
1: for, and,
0: and, and their, their ability to collaborate and understand that we're in a crunch time. Please don't change yeah. it now. We cannot handle that. Um, but yeah, it's the night before your biggest fittings your studio pitches when you have your presentation to the director and the producer you really hope they go i like this i like this your show and tell yeah and the day before principal photography if those three <laughs> hurdles are done the rest are survivable
2: yeah <laughs> it's um it's like i explain people about doing big events like our empower conference like the the week of i was a mess mm-hmm. i was just c- concerned about did I plan enough? Do I prepare enough? Does everyone know what they're gonna do? Is this whole thing just gonna fall apart in the first ten <laughs> minutes? And then the day of starts and everything is working. Mm-hmm. Like the the training is working, the mm-hmm. people are people are doing what they're supposed to do. Like, okay, we can we can pull this off. Like everything this else is happening now. Everything else is just small little things that we can we can handle on the fly. Like the mm-hmm. it's there's no huge major like right disasters exactly
0: right. i mean unless you're like in a movie where you're like heath ledger just like passed you're like oh, oh fuck. <laughs> what do i do now yeah <laughs> that hasn't happened to me on any movie yet no one just like randomly died but
2: <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully not from <laughs> costumes
0: god no oh my god can you imagine no like no one's maybe someone didn't tell me they're like allergic to something and have some horrible anaphylactic oh. shock oh god <laughs> like i wouldn't be surprised that's not
2: on you then that's on that's on their management yeah that's not on like, their management yeah. <laughs> and like you mentioned so i want to go back to something you mentioned earlier um that part of acquiring the costume is thrifting yeah right obviously that's Finding the clothes you need, but diving deep for it, right?
0: Yeah, like in places with like bedbugs and stuff.
2: (laughs) So, uh, do you also have a a team of like seamstresses or or Mm -hmm. people to help you know make sure everything fits, or is it all like here are a bunch of sizes, let's figure out which one fits?
0: It it does depend. uh, (laughs) It does (laughs) depend. It depends on the job seamstresses are a luxury depending on the size of your project Mm. which is a concern for me how many costume designers or aspiring designers these days do not know how to sew Mm. or pattern making or draping or just construction that's like a production designer not knowing how to look at an architectural blueprint there's a a lot of us out there like that now i I don't doubt they're talented but that skill is quite vital (laughs) that skill is quite vital (laughs) um but yeah, for example, I did this um show called A Crime to Remember. It's uh it was on Discovery. It's a like a true crime reenactment show. It won an Emmy by the way. Oh, I think it won goodness. two actually. Um but I didn't win it. Everyone won it. <laughs> um, well, you can say we I was part of
2: Emmy. We had an Emmy. Show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: and uh it has a it had a very low budget. So we went to every thrift store, every Salvation Army, anything that fits the bill, we bought it. Mm. And then we just tailor it to the right person. That's why you need to know how to sew when you're a costume designer, where you going to, but it doesn't fit. You don't use it. Like.
2: Yeah. But it also makes you useful for the more indie projects where mm-hmm. the budget might not be there, but you need, you still need to get the job done. Right.
0: Right. right. Um, well, a, a recent example is I just finished this, um, film in Malaysia called, I don't know what it's called anymore. It was Tianhua for a while and it was Skyfire. And then it was, it's a fantastic disaster film with, um, this director, Simon West.
2: Disaster film, not disaster, disaster of a
0: not, film. Not, not, not disaster of a film. <laughs> it's a, it's a disaster. It's a, it's a natural disaster type right. film. Uh, Simon West did, um, Lara Croft, Expendables, mm. Con Air. That's an iconic film. So I was mm. like, oh my God, I don't work with Simon West. It's amazing. Um, the budget is limited, uh, for that film. Um, yeah, it just came back from a couple months ago oh. and we had to make these crazy sci-fi version of, uh, volcanic geologist suits oh. or something. I can't say too much. I might, you know, maybe they'll kill me. I just signed an NDA to not give out too much details, right, So right, I right. can give like the details I can give out, but we do have a limited budget. And I remember quoting the big studios, like, you know, Ironhead and mm-hmm. all that. When you have that kind of budget, they were hitting me back with like 30,000 pounds for your helmet. And I was like, what? What do you mean 30,000 pounds? Like that's someone's like yearly salary. (laughs) And if you're resourceful, I came from an indie film background. Mm -hmm. We went on Taobao. and just bought so many helmet prototypes and just start spraying and wrapping and sticking like garden hoses and shit into it until we hand it off to a Chinese factory and be like, do that make this just don't make just don't look like it came from Lowe's but do that (laughs) and uh, we didn't have the money to deal with like you know that like a place like Ironhead but it was I think it was more fun that way yeah yeah my 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 accounting department didn't understand why I had so many random receipts from like hardware stores (laughs) but it was it was fun
2: you gotta do what you gotta do exactly in the filmmaking Yeah.
0: yeah yeah exactly
2: that's awesome. Um, so let me ask you about your your dream project. Like, if you <sighs> oh my God. if you want if you could design, if you had your pick of any type of project to design for, what would that be?
0: Oh boy, I almost feel like the right answer would be the Asian version of Black Panther. Uh huh. But I don't really think there's there's I don't think there's a right answer. Like there what would that look like
2: though because i've been thinking about this too like what does an asian superhero wear because i don't think they're wearing like robes or karate gear or something right they
0: just look like everyone from crouching tiger and marco polo and Wu assassins and the warrior (laughs) yeah and they will look great and mulan mulan oh my god please be good please be good yeah i'm curious about
2: the design for that film because like know what time period are going to set it in you know i don't even know like,
0: yeah. Ooh, i should ask uh because this is like what, ming dynasty era or you know your chinese history better than me and i had to study it too and i
2: <laughs> well i know it's not it's not like it's not Qing dynasty they don't have like the bald heads no yeah no, heads, no, no, right no. so it's like back when they were the, the dudes had like top knots right and
0: yeah yeah i don't know we should ask uh i should ask ron ron Yuan. To, oh yeah th- th- he, he would it. know yeah. Yeah. Well, would he? <laughs> I don't know. Um,
2: yeah. oh, he was also, also, for Marco Polo. Yeah.
0: yeah uh, yeah. yeah. It, the, Marco Polo did a lot. I I always, for some reason, it always goes back to Marco Polo. I know the show got canceled after two seasons and a lot of people didn't even know season two existed. People season two was quite, so good though. I know. Yeah. I know. There's so much nudity. Mm. <laughs> it was funny. My mom visited me on set on a day we were shooting an orgy. And my mom was say, like, "Wait, I thought you're the costume supervisor. Why are you on set? No one's wearing anything. <laughs> no one's wearing anything." Like, <laughs> and it's, I was like, "That's it's not- the
2: costume." I was
0: like, "Yeah, you see, they're they're little nude, little merkins. It's got to come from somewhere." Like, <laughs> um, but uh, I I know that we are all very grateful for to a show like Crazy Rich Asians to, I don't know, to do what it has done. Mm-hmm. My personal feeling is it started before that. It was incubated in shows like Marco Polo because it's happened four or five years ago. And it was one of the few times all these Asian Brits, Asian Canadians, Asian Americans are suddenly thrown into a same studio to make a film, a project about Asians. I met everyone
1: Mm -hmm.
0: with that being the foundation of where I met them. Like not everyone I met in the Asian American film community now is from Marco Polo, but that was the seed of it, at least for me. Yeah, I think it was a seed of it for me. For a couple of actresses I know, like Olivia and Benny, like why would why would I know the Canadian versions of myself or or like <laughs> they put it all into one place for eight months? Yeah, all just stuck with each other for eight months.
2: I mean, you think about all these shows coming out now, and. A lot of even crazy rich Asians, like Chris mm-hmm. Pang, Remy He there from Marco Polo. Yes, Remy's you know? from Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of the working Asian actors that are in big shows now, a lot of them had roots in that show as mm-hmm. well. You know, either cast as a a big actor or a, a principal cast member like
0: or crew yeah. i would never have known any of these people yeah, the,
2: whole, the whole stunt the stunt the team whole stunt, yeah. yeah they're, they're probably or working, working on like woo assassins warrior yeah brett was on oh yeah, yeah brett
0: did warrior he also did iron iron fist i think oh yeah yeah, oh yeah that one <laughs> so i never completely related to my community back home in asia mm-hmm. and then i felt like i um when i came over here i've always felt like culturally i'm more at home with like Americans, like, you know, in quotations, I guess, I don't know, white people. And then I met these people.
2: <laughs> these people, these people, these friends of yours.
0: <laughs> and then I was like, no, I think these make the most sense to me. And yeah, yeah like, like, you know, that, like, you forget that it's either Westernized or Asian. There's, we are these little, Halfway houses. That's us. <laughs> yeah.
2: I would like to see... um I don't know if you've seen Pen15 yet. Hulu's mm-hmm. Pen15. It's said in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I would like to see an Asian American story set in that time because that was mm. peak. And I don't know if you are here. Were you here for that? It was probably during high school. So you're probably still in Hong Kong.
0: I literally left Hong Kong in year 2000. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much around here.
2: So during that time, it was all about like... The nautica jackets, the yes. rice rackets, oh, the spiked there. hair, yeah, the, the, the 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 puka shell necklaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I had all those. That style, I think, <laughs> is... I want to see that on screen.
0: Yeah, why Why isn't it?
2: The story's not there yet. Someone needs to write it.
0: Yeah, let's make one. <laughs> we will make one. Yeah. Yeah, Um. but the dream project... I don't know. It will be projects like that. that that is... Something are Is that, that what they are? Is Marco Polo, Wu, or Warrior the, the Asian version of Black Panther? I would like them to be. Yeah. I, I would like to think that's what they are.
2: Kind of. They're projects that to do well, you need mm-hmm. someone in that room with that perspective. Right. Right. To like know when this thing's not right. This thing is like, they wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. You know? But um. I, I, yeah, I think, um. <laughs> Something like that. It can only benefit from having like mm-hmm. an Asian person be the designer, and I think that right. goes back to what you were saying. Like, the more opportunities there are for that, the more people could step up, right? right? And I'm sure there are, there are probably more costume designers out there than we, than know, we know about. oh
0: absolutely. Right? You that, saw. I'm making a point. Yeah. <laughs> of finding them. Find yeah.
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. My one of our current interns. Yes. She's you know she trained to be a costume designer and i'm so glad you like you talked to her because mm-hmm. like i think at this point you no know, whether you recognize or not you're now like a role model to the <gasps> new kids you know
0: <laughs> talked about this with someone else before imposter syndrome i <laughs> yeah. keep thinking that i was like no me what no no <laughs>
2: but they see and they see you've worked on a uh, Sundance film you worked on big hollywood movies big chinese movies you've worked on emmy winning tv show and that's stuff that they're dreaming of now, you know.
0: Man, yikes! Imposter <laughs> syndrome time—we all have it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I do go through that. Um, uh, there's, I think I mentioned this designer Anne Crabtree. Uh, she designed Westworld, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, a lot of Asian American designers look at her. She's gonna hate, hate it when I say this. Like, and we look at her as like our Asian Ruth Carter. She's, uh, she's. Um, Half Okinawan Mm -hmm. and women of color don't – like don't try to tell me Ruth and Anne are the only two minority females that are good costume designers. There's no way. There's no way. What? that That's it? Yeah. It's – they were – we don't know about them. It's it's representation because I refuse to believe out of hundreds of Oscar and Emmy-winning designers out there, only two of them are world-known and are minorities. There's – yeah. Come on, there must be more than this. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I recently sat down with Anne and just, she was so, hmm, zen and humbled by when I said, I was like, we are looking to you, Anne. It's like, oh, what? It's like, <laughs> no, like, designers are looking to you, f- like, female working crew, like, female designers are looking to you and Asian, Asian designers are looking to you. And, uh, And feminine, like, you know, and she's a very active feminist. Like, you know, her, her costumes for Handmaid's Tale are such an icon for current political movements. And I don't really think she thought it was going to go there. Um, (laughs) but like you look at people like Ruth and Anne, not only are they minority female designers that has made an impact, they are using that so hard to tell to stand up for it. They're not just be like, I'm here and I'm a minority and it's great. Look, I made it. They know the responsibility and they take it upon themselves to be so vocal about women's rights and, you know, racial equality. And we just, I just wish there's more and more of them. You know, there, there should be more and more of them. And I do make a point of, uh, there is a costume designer in LA, Like I I like to joke that she's like the West Coast version of me. Kim Go. Um, if you're a budding costume designer in LA, go find her. Uh yeah. I can count them with one hand. I'm sure there are more, but why don't we know each other yet?
1: Yeah.
2: You know? I'm of the belief that the more the more prominent people become, like the more and I think nowadays we are starting to recognize more below the line people who make mm-hmm. things happen. Especially as more of us become directors and producers and mm-hmm. realize that like we have the power to hire mm-hmm. diversely right. for our crews. These people are out there. Mm-hmm. That I think the more of us that are creating stories means there's more stories to be mm-hmm. created. Which c- provides more opportunities for people and to work on To
0: them. find each other. And yeah. yeah. It is... Um, i I like to say that because like, I've spoke to some people. I've spoken to one or two up-and-coming uh Asian-American designers who are very frustrated mm. at the lack of representation. And I was like, no, I feel like these are called growing pains. This generation is literally the pioneer of the tie changing for Asians in the industry. It's not going to get handed over quite that easily. Yeah. And we're part of the growing pains this ta- this is this is the generation to do it and i was like this is not when you leave stay around yeah. for it. <laughs>
2: it's you know we need a first for a second to be there mm-hmm. right we, we need we need the people who will lead the way and understand that you know
0: that it's going to be hard it's
2: going to be hard it's not actually going to be easy It's slower than you hope yeah by making it easier for the next generation mm-hmm. you're making it easier on yourself in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's better that you put in the work now mm-hmm. than, like, give up and, like, the next person has to. Right. Right. Because that means you might not be able to see the change in, in your career.
0: Like, even if I don't live to see it, yeah. I'm making it sound like I'm, like, 70 or something. <laughs> I'm not. But I saw this recent quote. It's a Nike quote, which is uh-huh. ridiculous. Yeah. It was a Nike quote, and it was saying, be the first champion of your kind but make sure you're not the last. The second line resonated with me. Who doesn't want to be the first of your kind of champion? Like, that's what everybody wants to do. It's so cool. It's so glorious.
2: I think it goes back to that that metaphor, right? Of like, you know, once you get a seat at the table, you can do one of two things. You can protect it and like block everyone else from sitting next to you. hmm or you can, like, look around and see that there are way more seats up here than, mm-hmm. than you were let to believe. And, like, let's and fill it you,
0: up. Or you're in the position to demand more seats. Yeah.
2: So let's fill it up with people, mm-hmm. with more people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that second line really, really <laughs> got me. Because I don't, like, it's, that's a conversation that's not happening as much as it should with below-the-line people, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know.
2: Well... <laughs> Thank you for being one of the the voices for change there, <laughs> and congrats on all your your recent successes, future successes. Um,
0: thank you, thank you. What
2: are some uh, what are some things right now that you've worked on or are working on that um, people can check out?
0: Oh boy, that uh, right now uh, I have two pretty big films coming out soon. But it's generally made for the Asian audience, so I'm sure it eventually get its way to either Netflix or something. <laughs> I did a film called Shanghai Fortress. Uh, apparently it's a really famous sci-fi novel in China. Okay. Um, it was, uh, one of those Chinese-Western collaborations we shot for like nine months in Shanghai. Sci-fi aliens invading the Earth. Um, Chinese people save the world. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> of um, so that's supposed to come out sometime this year. Asia first and. Where
1: I'm
2: sure my second. dad will my dad watches <laughs> all those movies the night it comes out.
0: Oh, he's going to watch it. It's going to be heavily he lives, advertised there. I don't,
2: yeah, he lives right across the street from a movie theater. So he likes to oh go boy. like to watch like the the midnight premieres.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> hope he likes it. And then the year after that would be I hope I hope it's the year after that would be the um, not disastrous movie, disaster movie <laughs> that I did with Simon West and um but that's all I can tell you about the second one because cool. they will kill me.
2: Oh, yeah. That's in your NDA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if people want to follow you and your dog.
0: Thank you. Um, my my extremely communist dog, Chairman Chow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where can they go?
0: Uh, my Instagram is Veracoco. It's V-E-R-A-C-O-C-O. Can I interchat with a very small story there? Sure. Yeah. Veracoco. I had that. At the beginning of my career, a lot of people asked me this, this story uh, about this, this story uh, that I hid my last name at the be- like the first few years of my career. Oh. I was going by Vera initial C dot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't want like, and I was born in Texas. I'm, I'm Vera from Texas. I am not Vera Chow from Hong Kong. Like I was mm-hmm. so meticulous and crafting that that must not be how I portrayed myself. Um, it's, um, I think, unfortunately, in the early 2000s, that was still a necessary evil. Um, And I've spoken to some younger kids these days. I'm kids. I'm not that old. Um, They're like, that's (laughs) fucked up. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. Like, you should tell them loud and proud. I'm like, people that generation paved the way for you to be able to scream, I'm a child from Hong Kong or or something something similar. Back then, it would not have done us any favors my first like i was saying my first big break in my films were like one of them was like an urban like city rapper story a colombian immigrant story and uh, american philly eagle story if i didn't if i was like ciao from hong kong like in my resume in my everything i do wonder if i've i would have ever gotten through the first door before they're ready, like, Oh, I like her resume, I like how she talks on the phone. Like you meet her, oh my, she's Asian, but oh we like her, that's cool. Like I would never know, but I I, I highly doubt that is not related.
2: Right. And we're saying that like, we're we're the generation that um hopefully, like the hope is when we get to positions where we are the people calling the shots, right? The people mm-hmm. like the gatekeepers essentially, mm-hmm. that we will remember the lessons, we remember why we started and mm-hmm. change the game from there. Because, you know, it's, it's hard to do so when you're trying to build that right. body of work. You know? And I
0: think my Instagram was actually my first AOL AIM name. Oh, Veracoco. Right. It, it was specifically made to have no ethnic. Signs in it. Mm. You don't know what the hell I am from Vera Coco. Like yeah. it just it's just what it is. You can and, just be
2: a Coco Lee fan. Yeah,
0: exactly. I was a Coco Lee fan, and I really <laughs> liked her. And um, and you know, my my Chinese name initials are CC. So mm. so I was like Vera Coco. That's cool. No one's gonna know what ethnicity I am. And but now, like you know, f- I faked it till I made it. <laughs> faked it till I made it. Now I use it so much, and I met a a really big player in the industry yesterday. And she told me, that's so funny that I told her the story because the conversation, she is a huge diversity advocate. I really look up to her. And she told, like, we shared the story. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and you know what's funny on the flip side like people that are in programming and development rarely meet costume designers they usually meet like directors producers like main cast and all that so i wasn't actually gonna be i wasn't gonna meet you i like they're really busy and they're like and then i saw your last name chow and i said i want to meet her yeah so it was just such a full circle thing for her to say. I mean I'm not like I'm using it now to my advantage but it was just like it was a, it was a moment for me when she said yeah.
2: that. Yeah. And I think that is a reflection of the changing conversation yes. within studios now where they're now realizing that having a diverse pool to know people from like different cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds mm-hmm. is a plus yes right it's you know it's not something it's not a risk it's not as mm-hmm. big of a risk as they thought it was
0: even if it is you know? find out yeah.
2: Like
0: <laughs> you put all your risk on some other you know sometimes on white people it's okay so <laughs> put the same risk on us it'll be fun yeah <laughs> let's see what happens from there <laughs> yeah. well so that's me <laughs>
2: Vera, thank you for joining us while you're here from mm-hmm. new york hopefully we'll, we'll see you back again oh yes yeah?
0: oh i <laughs> I will be back. My <laughs> and, uh, agent's also here, so I'll be coming more and more.
2: Nice. Um, shout out to uh, Grace Su, our mutual friend, who yes. I've promised to be, have on this podcast, but I don't think we've ever had her. So
0: Grace is watching my my great honorable leader, Chairman Chow, right now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Grace. We'll get you back on. We'll get, we'll get you on when you come back.
0: Hey, Grace.
2: <laughs> and yeah, thanks for listening. Um, this has been Vera Chow on the Collabcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that was costume designer Vera Chow and with that that'll do it for this episode of the Collabcast thank you so much for listening as always the Collabcast is a program of collaboration a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment discovering, developing, showcasing and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond you can find out more about collaboration and our programs by going to the website www.collaboration.org The Cloudcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts. Check out some of our other great shows, such as First of All, Books and Boba, They Call Us Bruce, and Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, by going to www.podcastpotluck.com. This podcast and interview was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios, located within the Visual Communications offices. And for those of you in Los Angeles, don't forget to check out Visual Communications' flagship event, the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, that's happening in a few weeks from May 2nd to May 9th. Learn more about the festival and check out the amazing Asian American films that are being showcased by checking out their website at festival.vcmedia.org. And finally, thank you to Atlanta-based rapper Uzuhan for Yusufisan Uzuhan for this week's intro and outro. And with that, thanks again for listening to the co cast. My name is Marvin Yeh, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace.